rescue op, save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Jurassic World by Minute Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And in this episode, we're discussing Minute 64 of Fallen Kingdom. Before we get to that, David, checking in over at Jurassic-pedia.com. Because we get the last of our baby raptors in this minute, I thought it'd be uh, good just to bring up some of the novel entries that we have uh, in Jurassic-pedia. And uh, in this case, the uh, the raptor nursery and the baby raptor that's there in the novel. I more so, and I've mentioned this before, the fact that we don't really get many infants, uh, especially infant raptors in the in the film franchise, apart from what we got at the petting zoo, so it's good to finally see them on screen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the baby velociraptor here is always, is actually kind of creates a kind of a point of contention among the novel fans, and even fans in general, just because there's an interesting thing in this um, chapter of the novel, where they comment, where Grant uh, is looking over the Velociraptor baby, and he asks what species this is, similar to um, the novel, or I'm sorry, the film. The difference being, unlike in the film, Wu actually gives the actual species, not just the <laughs> name. And he says that it's a Mongoliensis. Grant asks, how does he know? He, uh, he says that Amber was from China. And Grant says, interesting, he just was about to dig up an infant Enterhopris. Now, the implication there, of course, is that the Velociraptor Enterhopris, which is we know as Denonychus, and Velociraptor Mongoliensis are considered different species under the same uh, genus, which is what is the long-presumed thing. The question is is it's long been assumed that the gen that the species in the movies too but also in the books are anterhopus based on the size and so it's kind of makes me wonder if this being a baby is a new species that separate from the one the velociraptors they've already cloned or if they are if they've done something that they don't say they've done in the novel to create these mega-sized velociraptors that are the size of Deinonychus, but are Mongoliensis genome base. Hmm. I wonder if anything, the exaggerated growth and that sort of uh, may have something to do with it as well. Even though they are more bird-like and sort of less reptilian, you do have some like crocodiles and alligators that essentially will continue growing if they have the right food source and environment until they die of very old age. I don't I don't see a Velociraptor getting the size of a T-Rex if it's fed cows every day and <laughs> is, in, is in very good health. Uh, but I just wonder if there's something there. Even, again, they're messing around with genetics, whether something was done, uh, something was added to help in one aspect and it made that happen in, in another. It's, but it is weird that they, they do change names like that. Yeah, it is. Uh, even with like the added growth hormone, so that is kind of what the assumption is: is that the Velociraptors were m- mixed with something to create themselves to be bigger. 
Now, of course, we know we know that they've always been doing this, that they actually admit that they're doing this in the novel. But we've never actually had true hybridization in the novel, quite like mixing Deinonychus with Enterhorpus, I mean, with the uh, Velociraptor and creating this hybrid species. Mm. Now, of course, as you mentioned, they're more reptilian in the novel, or they're more reptilian than they were in real life, which can be, of course, explained while well, they were messing with the genome. But the reality is, is that they just didn't know back then. Mm-hmm. And we, it, it's again a difference between the movie and the novel. In the in the novel, we know they had compies, and the smaller the protoceratops, uh, or proto-raptors, like that's dancing around the trees in the jungle river, but they had smaller animals in the novel, whereas in the film, uh, really Dilophosaur is the smallest animal we see. You could see it, it being a lot easier to contain a larger animal than a smaller one, so they probably wouldn't want three-foot-tall uh, predators, not without uh, having to do some serious fencing, uh, especially that, that perimeter fence isn't keeping compies in, so it wouldn't keep raptors, like real-sized raptors in either, or infants. So yeah, maybe it was um maybe yep. Hammond and Wu had the conversation. Do you know how much it's going to cost to fence these things, and make them bigger, <laughs> easier to easier to contain? <laughs> yeah, to make the cyclone fencing a little bit smaller. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just pure speculation on my part. But yeah, but uh, yeah, little interesting read up here. And again, if you haven't read a novel, go and check it out because uh, it does add a lot more than what we got in the film. But uh, until then, check out this article and many more over at drastic-pedia.com. Back up. Back off. Hey, 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 hey. Take it easy. Let go. Jeez, there's plenty of food. God, you guys been eating sugar or something? You hyper today. Okay, okay. Back up. Thank you, Boo. Dave, ready to get in a minute 64. Yeah. All right, minute 64, forking it opens with Maisie watching Owen's research logs as uh, Blue nuzzles him and ends with Zia digging in for a bullet. As we continue into minute 64, Owen's cowering on the floor of the baby raptor's room as Blue nuzzles him. I know it's meant to be Owen making these sounds, but his throat's not moving. I can just imagine it's Colin behind the camera <laughs> making his little cooing, cooing noises that he's doing here to Blue. <laughs> It is cute, though. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, do, I, I do the same thing to me puppy in that, too, and she comes over and tries to lick my face mm. when I'm hiding it, so I oh. do. Yeah. <laughs> you have different experience? Nope. Uh, <laughs> they, they, that's what they do. Oh. <laughs> uh, Owen chuckles to the camera saying Blue is pretty extraordinary, and we cut back to the boat as the Rex's blood starts moving through the IV line, which I'm guessing they got from the ship's first aid kit. We know Zia was told, keep that animal alive as the best you can, so I'm sure mm-hmm. a bag of raided first aid supplies were thrown through the, the door of the tarp or the truck. Uh, everyone's looking sad as the music continues to play. Um, and there's also a bit of a sway here. You can see the canopy on the truck there is moving a little bit, and uh, all mm-hmm. through this minute next minute they're swaying a bit too, hinting at the possibility the ship's going through that storm outside, even though we don't mm-hmm. see it. And we do get a nice close-up of the um, head of the blue animatronic here. It looks really nice. Mm. I'm glad that they started being able to do more animatronic work with Fallen King, 
yeah, Fallen Kingdom and Dominion mm-hmm. after having that only that single Apatosaurus animatronic um, in the in Jurassic World. Mm. And just the the oh, I won't say interaction the uh, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> just just the way the animatronic eye moves inside of the head at mm-hmm. the how integrated both are. Uh, it, it does. It gives it a real, a real good bit of realism here. That, uh, as you said, you just don't get with CG. That all the all the raptor shots we had in Jurassic World, you could, <laughs> too shiny, not not enough, uh, or too much detail in the CG anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice analog here. I mean, you really you can. It just feels different when it's real, even it's an in shot effect. You know. Mm. And like you said, like all those raptor shots in the in Jurassic World were CGI, and I mean you could tell it's it's now it was unnecessary CGI too. I mean you could have made up a raptor head prop for each of them, and it, it wouldn't even have had to do much. It would have just had to really been for the heads, just to give the actors something more to react with, you know. Mm. And it's, oh, we've mentioned it before, the, the animatronic here, the, the fact that it's set up on this table, uh, the crew of people, puppeteers, underneath it, underneath the floor that are controlling it, for essentially is Blue just laying there. We get a little bit of head movement with uh, Owen a couple of times, a little bit of leg movement, but for the most part, it's, it's pretty much just laying there. They're, they're more so controlling the eye, uh, the breathing, all the little the little nuances of what an animal would be doing. Uh, apart from actually getting up and walking around. Mm-hmm. But back in the logs, uh, Owen tells us Blue uh, has is displaying levels of interest, concern, hyper-intelligence, cognitive bonding, and we see Owen moving his head on camera as Blue is mirroring his movements. Uh, <laughs> Owen doesn't look concerned at all. The, 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 the half-joyfulness, obviously, again, he's sitting there playing or acting against this animatronic Whereas in the real light, I don't, real world, I don't know if you'd be have smiling with your face that close to <laughs> to blue. We can see the scars on the falcon's glove. We know these animals can be vicious, even in playing. Even blue just lunging in in play uh, could still end end badly. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, clearly something Owen's not uh, interested in here. He's uh, he's got himself a pet on pet Owen, pet blue. We've mentioned, we've talked a lot <laughs> the issue of this, uh, <laughs> these films with making Blue more of a character than a, uh, mm-hmm. than a wild animal. We're going to get more of that next minute too with uh, retrieval of the bullet. But uh, Zia makes the incision to remove said bullet, uh, wearing a nice bright white sports watch, which <laughs> makes you wonder why she's not taking it off, why she'd wear that going to Nublar in the first place. Uh, white things don't last, <laughs> they, especially if she's doing surgery. It's going to get blood on. It's going to be stained red. It's it's going to be ruined. Not to mention, you would think that uh, just she should be wearing gloves in general. You know, I mean, maybe they don't have those, but you would think that would be easier to find than an IV line is rubber gloves of some sort with antibiotics. And normally, any first aid kit's got at least a pair in there, wrapped up in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I know all the ones that work do. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think the ship would be any different. Uh, even even just the the mercenaries, I'm sure there'd be a couple carrying med kits or 
that sort of thing mm-hmm. too. It's it might again just lead to the uh, the rushness, the how quickly they've had to get in and do this without. Uh, but then, as you said, they found an IV <laughs> from somewhere too. So yeah, movie <laughs> movie logic there. Yep. But uh, as a minute ends, she reaches into the cut with forceps and digging around for that bullet. We won't see if she catches it until the next minute. Um, unfortunately, I've done some cleaning up over the Christmas break, and I've lost both my copies of the ju- junior novelization. So uh, for the next couple of episodes, anyway, we won't be <laughs> discussing the novel comparisons. I'll have to come back to that when I uh, find slash purchase another one. <laughs> it's it's somewhere. I, I don't know where, but... Uh, yeah, it's somewhere. <laughs> I never bought the novelizations for Dominion or Fallen Kingdom, so I only have the one for Jurassic World. Yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. I'll... They will be somewhere. I will find them. I've got a sneak suspicion I'll put one in the car for last time I'd done these run sheets so I could have access to it and I never took it out. So it's probably under the seat of the car <laughs> where, where most things go to get lost. Yep. Uh, Dave, I think that's it for minute 64. How about we get heavy for the week? Sounds good. 